The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Thank you. I'm really nervous. <laughs> um, okay, let me just get all my notes together and we can get started. When we were in worship just a few moments ago, um, just singing all how King Jesus, I just, you just feel God's presence in the room and you just feel just his love and just his, just his adoration for us and it was just a sweet moment. Um, but let me get into the message. So we're going to be continuing our series today, which uh, we've been in a series around adoption. And so what we're going to be focusing on today is our hope in adoption. And so before I get started and before we continue looking into Packer's book, um, Knowing God, let me just open us up in prayer and then we'll jump straight into the word. Uh, Father, Lord, we, Lord, we come to you with surrendered hearts. Lord, we love you uh, and we just come before you, Father, just uh, asking that you would give us ears to hear, Lord, uh, that, Father, we'd have our hearts ready to hear what it is you want to say to us today. Father, I just pray that you would uh, use me to speak clearly, and I pray that I don't get in the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, so to begin with, uh, talking about hope, I'm going to actually take us over to the book of Romans, um, and I'm going to unpack a particular verse. So if you've got your Bible with you, jump over to Romans 8, and we're going to be reading out um, from verse 14 to 17, and if you haven't got your Bible, it will be on the screen as well. Um, but let me just read that. So Romans eight fourteen to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. When I look at this verse, this verse is actually one of, for me, one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, because I find that this verse really gives us an insight into God's heart. God's heart is a father's heart. His heart is one that is for us. And I think the first thing we really got to understand is that adoption, God's adoption of humans, is at the heart of the gospel. He created us in his image to have communion and fellowship with him, but sin got in the way and we kind of ruined everything. And so God's love has been a love that's relentlessly and continuously chased us down to bring us back into right relationship with him, to bring us back into fellowship with our family because that is where we belong. And that's what adoption is all about. It's about God wanting us, not just on a Sunday, but God wanting us always and eternally. And so what Romans helps us to see is how this adoption actually works. So I want to unpack this a little bit um, because I want to kind of bring out two things out of this particular verse. And the first thing I want to kind of point out is that the hope we have in adoption is that we get to, hope, we get to share in the glory of Christ. So our hope is that we get to share in the glory of Christ. And what does that actually mean? Well, let me read that verse again. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Packer talks about Jesus being our older brother. 
And so if Jesus is our older brother, it means we get to share in the same things that he's got. And what we see is that Jesus called God Father. So if we get to share in the same glory of Christ, we get to share in the same relationship that he had. And what this means is that when Jesus gets to call God Abba Father, so do we. This is the hope we have, that God, the creator of heaven and earth, now becomes our Abba Father. He's not just a God, he's not just a distant God in the sky, he is our heavenly father. And so when we look at this, we see that the hope of adoption is that we can now enter into an intimate relationship with God. If you look at Jewish culture, it was, you never referred to God as father, it was unheard of. In the Jewish culture, there was reverence, there was awe, but there wasn't familiarity. They didn't treat God with that familiar that familiar relationship, it was very much God. Jesus changed that. Jesus came and just changed the whole thing because what Jesus did was he actually showed us the heart of the Father and he showed us that God wants an intimate relationship with his children. We see that in the way that Jesus spoke to an obvious Father, but we also see it in the way that God spoke to Jesus, the way that God spoke of Jesus. If we go over to Matthew um, when we when we see that when Jesus was baptized, and then you see in Matthew three seventeen, and a voice from heaven said, "This is my son, whom I love; with him I am well pleased." This is my son, whom I love. There is there's affection there, there's intimacy, there's affirmation of who he is. This is God's father heart looking down, going, "This is my boy. This is my son." But then likewise, we see it in the way that Jesus actually talked to and of God. So if we go to John, um, in John 10, uh, 30, I and the Father are one. He's calling him Father. He's talking about that intimacy that they both have together. I and the Father are one. And then when we go to John 17, 24, the Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. This verse tells us a few things. One, it tells us about their relationship. It also tells us about God's plan of making sure that we can be reconciled to him through Christ. But then you see, because you loved me before the creation of the world. This is again Jesus showing us the intimacy that he has with God. So for us, our hope is that we get to have an intimate and eternal relationship with God. It is no longer just God, it is Abba Father. What we get, our hope, is that we get to actually change the dialogue that we have with God. But not just that, not only do we get to call him Abba Father, but he in turn calls us child. Our hope is that we get a name change. We are no longer whatever anyone else has called us. When we enter into this, we are child. This is where God looks at you and he calls you son. This is where he calls you daughter. This is where he calls you his beloved, his masterpiece. This is what we have. This is the hope we have when we come into adoption. Is that we have this intimate, beautiful, loving relationship with a God whose heart is for us. And so your name becomes child. I want to read uh, John 1, 12 to 13. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Every single one of us can have this relationship. 
every single one of us can sit in a place where we have an intimate, loving relationship with God, where we can go, Abba, Father. And he looks down and he goes, son, daughter. That's the hope you get, that we get eternal um, and intimate communion with God, right where we are. We look at Moses, we look at Abraham, and when we look at the Old Testament, to meet with God, people had to go to a particular place. They had to go somewhere and they had to do all of these rituals to get there. We don't have to do that. We've got God right where we are. Our relationship with our Abba Father means that we have intimate communion right where we are. We don't need to go anywhere else. Now, Emmanuel, God with us, is actually in fact with us. Everywhere we go, we have God. (coughs) And so anywhere we are, we've got Christ with us. We've got our Abba Father. The second way we share in the glory of Jesus, the second bit of the hope that we have, is that we start to become more like Jesus. Um, Again, Packer talks about uh, Jesus being the older brother, and in him we have a beautiful role model. We have the most perfect role model we're ever going to have, and we're never going to live up to it or be anything like it. But the hope that we have is that we've got the Holy Spirit who starts to shift us and transform us and change us so that we can become more like Christ. The end game is always to be more like Christ and to point as many people as possible to him. And so this is where the Holy Spirit comes in and he starts to work in us and help us do this. But I want to just kind of take one step back for a moment and say one thing. Again, the first thing we've got to understand is that God's heart is a father's heart and it's a heart that is for us. So when we talk about God wanting to transform us, this is not because he doesn't think we're good enough. God's love is not actually dependent on our perfection or our performance. God's love is who he is. It's got nothing to do with who we are. It is who he is. And it is because God loves us so much that he doesn't want to keep us as we are. It's not because he doesn't love us as we are. He just loves us too much to keep us as we are. And so this transformation starts where he starts to refine us. He starts to transform us. From the inside out, he starts to change us so that we can be more like Christ. And the only way that that happens is through the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that can gently rebuke. He's the only one that can gently guide. He's the only one that can love us and lead us in the direction that we need to go. And the more that he does that from the inside out, the more we start to actually look like Jesus. We start to take on his characteristics. Sonship, it talks about you get the spirit of sonship, is when you start to take on the characteristics of your father. And we see God in Jesus and that's what we start to take on. But we also get what he wants us to have is the freedom that he's found in Christ. The freedom that Jesus himself walked in. And to be free, we've got to go back to, to understand what this means, we'll go back to verse 15 um, in Romans 8. Verse 15, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The truth is that without Jesus, we're slaves, we're broken, we're walking in fear, we're walking in so much bondage and hurt. This is, this is the reality of a broken world that we live in. This is, what, this is who we are really because of the world we live in. But what God wants for us is to live in that freedom like Christ. He wants us to be free from that bondage, free from the fear, free from the anxiety. And this is where we get the Holy Spirit that intercedes for us. The verse goes, the Spirit himself, in verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Don't miss that last bit, we are God's children. 
This is the Holy Spirit interceding for us. This is the Holy Spirit interceding with us. This is the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us and helping us to change the way we need to go. Are we still going to have fear? Are we still going to walk in anxiety? Is there still going to be bondage? Yeah, there's going to be all those things. We live, in a, we live in a broken world. We're broken people that need Jesus. So those things are always going to come up. There's always going to be fear. There's always going to be anxiety. But in those moments when we have those fears, in the moments when the anxiety starts to overwhelm us, in the moment when we start to feel ourselves getting caught into bondage again, we have the Holy Spirit who testifies. We have the Holy Spirit who reminds us that we are God's child. It is in those moments that we can look to our older brother and know that we have freedom. We can know that we have salvation. We can know that we have what we need to be able to walk in that because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. In those moments where anxiety, where fear, where trepidation all start to creep in again, this is where the Holy Spirit reminds us that Abba Father is the creator of heaven and earth. That our Abba Father is the creator of heaven and earth. He is still the same God that rose Jesus from the dead. He is still the same God that defeated death. He is still the same God that parted the seas. He is still the same God that is the great I am. That has not changed. All these years later has not made him him any weaker. He is still the great I am. And the great I am is our Abba Father. This is where we get to enter in and we get to go, Father, Lord, I need you right now. And this is where the Holy Spirit reminds us that in those moments, our Abba Father is there. And we can picture him like a father with his arms open waiting for his child to crawl into his lap. Because this is who our father is. He has a father's heart. And so our hope, our adoption gives us hope of intimacy. Our adoption gives us hope of relationship. Our Our adoption gives us hope of a name change where we are no longer what anyone else calls us. We are a child of God that is slowly being transformed into the likeness and image of Jesus. And so... Before I bring, before I invite Susan to come up and to do her part, what I'd like to encourage everyone is just to sit for a couple of moments and just reflect. And if, if you are here today, and if you don't know this Abba Father, can I encourage you to seek him? Can I encourage you at the end of the service to talk to one of the pastors and really understand how you can have an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father, how you can sit in a place where you too can cry out, Abba Father, knowing that the creator of heaven and earth loves you and sees you as his child and welcomes you in. So will we just sit for a moment or, or two and then I'll invite Susan to come up. Awesome, that was amazing. I've got the challenge of processing what Layla has just said and then kind of communicating my bit. So um, while we kind of did have a brief, and I will emphasise brief conversation of kind of how we were going to split this, it's quite amazing actually how um, some of the themes overlap and even some of the scriptures um, overlap. So really sense that God's really speaking to us clearly this morning. So I'm just going to continue and um, just unpack a little bit about what our inheritance actually is, some of the characteristics of our inheritance. 
um, and also what our response then should be. So just looking at um, some of the characteristics, I'm going to look at Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. And it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So the characteristic of our inheritance is the fact that our inheritance will never rot, it will never fade, it will never diminish and it can't be destroyed Our inheritance is guaranteed and it's unlike earthly inheritances that can be contested. Um, It can't be diminished, it can't be destroyed and we haven't done anything in and of ourselves to earn this inheritance. It's only through faith in Christ that we've got this inheritance and so there's nothing that we can do to destroy it um, as well. Um, The other thing about our inheritance, and um, Layla touched on this briefly, is that there's aspects of our inheritance that we will receive this side of eternity, but we won't receive the fullness of our inheritance until we're glorified in heaven. And just in terms of um, the fact that our inheritance is guaranteed, I was thinking about um, people whose inheritances are guaranteed on earth. I think of you know celebrity children or um, children of royal families and it allows them to live with such a confidence because of the inheritance that they that they know that they have. Um, you know going to university or college is not sort of a oh I'm not sure if I can afford that it's guaranteed Um, you know whether or not they can afford to buy a home again that's not a thought in their mind that's sort of a done deal and that I think allows them to live with a confidence and a freedom because of that financial security and so I would encourage us this morning that we can live out our faith because of the confidence that we have with the inheritance that we have that's guaranteed. All right, so now just having a look at, I guess, um, some aspects of what our inheritance actually is and then again how we should respond to that. If you want to just roll through. Yeah, great, next one as well. Um, Okay, so I'm going to look at Ephesians chapter 1. It says uh, from verse 13 to 14, it says... And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the first part of our um, inheritance and, and Layla's message really highlighted this is the Holy Spirit. Um, Our inheritance is guaranteed by the Holy Spirit and he represents a deposit of what we will receive in full when we reach eternity. So I want to just quickly um, run through, I guess, some of the things that we do have access um, as part of our inheritance this side of eternity. And so looking at what that deposit entails, some of the attributes of the the Holy Spirit we can see throughout scriptures. And again, Layla did an awesome job this morning about unpacking the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we know that he guides us. He intercedes for us as Layla was talking about. He teaches us. He gives us understanding. He comforts and encourages us. He empowers us. 
and he equips us with spiritual gifts. Um, So things like words of knowledge, um, words of prophecy, faith, healing. Um, I'm also going to read from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 to 20, and this portion of scripture I've taken from the Passion Translation, so it reads probably a little bit differently to what you're familiar with, and it says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through him. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honour and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. So the immense power that's been spoken about here, the power that lives in us and through us, the power that raised Christ from the dead is the Holy Spirit. And so what should our response be? Well, my challenge to um, us this morning, myself including, is are we seeking the Holy Spirit in our lives? Do we create room for him to work in and through us, to guide us, to teach us, to encourage us, to empower us? Are we listening and can we discern the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives? And are we obedient to that voice? Do we come to church or connect group or even meeting up with friends with a heart and spirit of expectation for the spirit to move in and through us? Is his power evident in our lives as a testimony to those around us? I want to encourage us this morning that, um, that we need to do that. We need to allow room for the Holy Spirit to be moving in our lives. Um, so that we can experience more of our inheritance this side of eternity. Um, I think often as Christians, um, we don't fully allow the Holy Spirit or fully embrace the Holy Spirit. And so in, in doing so, we're actually robbing ourselves of the inheritance that we can experience. And not only are we robbing ourselves, but I think we're also robbing the people around us who could be impacted so much more if we allowed the Holy Spirit to be moving in and, and through us. The second part of our inheritance that I'd like to look at um, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. And it says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And again, Layla touched on this in in her part this morning about the fact that we get to share in Christ's glory. Um, I'm also going to read from Romans 8, 15 to 17, but I've got a different translation. So um, so again, looking at um, the Passion Translation, and so it says, And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. 
For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. So the other part of our inheritance, and again, Layla touched on this, um, is yeah, sharing in Christ's glory and being glorified. And so I looked up a definition of what glorified is, and this is just literally from dictionary.com. And it says the glorified is the action of describing or representing something as admirable, especially unjustifiably. And I think that that just so demonstrates us, that we are unjustifiably made perfect through our glorification that we'll experience in heaven, we'll be made perfect, holy and blameless. And it's through that glorification that will then allow us to then have complete access to God's unbridled and unrestrained presence. And that's our ultimate inheritance. Our ultimate inheritance is being able to be in God's presence for eternity. And we see in the scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, that in our human form, we actually can't withstand God's presence. It would actually kill us. And so we actually have to wait until we reach heaven so that we can go through that glorification process for us to actually be able to handle God's presence. But um, again, what, what an incredible inheritance that is because we know that in God's presence there's fullness of joy. We have perfect peace. We can experience his extravagant and unconditional love. We have wholeness and healing and we have freedom and security. So again, I ask what's our response to that? Well, I'm just going to repeat again verse 17 of Romans 8 and it says, We will experience being co-glorified with him provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. So I want to ask this morning, are we prepared to accept Christ's sufferings? Are we actually readying ourselves for Christ's sufferings? They're guaranteed. There's no sort of grey area in the Bible. It's kind of a done deal that that that's the life that that we have to kind of be prepared for. And we see in this time, and I, I think it's going to intensify as we near Christ's return, that the suffering of the church is is going to get harder. So are we prepared to endure that um, and stick it out in order to get our inheritance? But the encouragement is that that suffering is only temporary and that we can endure that because of the hope that we have in our ultimate inheritance, being able to spend eternity with God in his presence. I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 12a, and it says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. So while we may only experience a portion of his presence this side of eternity, again I ask, are we seeking it? Are we hungry for God's presence? 
do we pursue God and his kingdom priorities more than earthly possessions, more than our careers, more than our relationships with other people? And they're not bad things. But do we pursue God's presence above those things? And so just in wrapping up, and I'd like to invite the musicians back up on stage, are we accessing the inheritance that we have this side of eternity or are we just letting it kind of sit in a trust fund? Are we actually accessing all that we have, the authority that we have in and through Christ? Some of the things that Layla was unpacking of just the intimacy that we can have with the Father. Are we accessing his peace and his joy and his love? Are we pursuing the Holy Spirit and allowing him to move in and through our lives? Are we seeking God's presence? Do we actually create space in our busy lives to actually just wait on God's presence? Do we live with an eternal perspective? Um, One that doesn't allow us to get bogged down in our earthly troubles or our sufferings, but one that, that looks to that hope that we have in an inheritance that's guaranteed that will never perish or fade. Are we looking to the day that we can see Jesus face to face? So we're just going to spend the last minute or so of the service to just allow room for God's Holy Spirit to move, for us to sense his presence I know that many of us have got a busy day today honouring our mums but I just really want to spend that time just seeking God Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.